0: So to begin today, I want to ask someone to come on up to help me out here that's good at drawing. All I can do are stick figures and not very good stick figures. So is there anyone here that can help me out with a little drawing uh, project here that we want to start out with? Anyone? Uh, All right, I see some pointing here. Dimitri, you're you're not. Okay. All right, Rory, what do you think? You want to come on up and help us out here? All right, Rory, let's give her a hand here. So, Rory, what you're going to be doing is very simple. Uh, So I'm going to be giving you three different uh, things to draw. You'll have 30 seconds to draw each one, and then uh, we will take a look. And if you draw it correctly, then you get a point. So the goal is to get at least two or three points here today. But don't worry, there, it's very simple, very simple drawing here. And, uh, and we'll, we'll give you a little grace here since you only have 30 seconds to do it. Okay, so the first one that uh, I want you to draw here is a car. So go ahead and draw a car. And stop. Good job. So let's go ahead and let's see what we have here. This is the car that she that she drew now um what it's a good car but what what i was actually looking for was a toyota rav4 a 2024 <laughs> rad4 so i like your drawing but you're not going to get a point for this one okay hold on we got we have an, a, another two more to try here so why don't we why don't we turn this around Okay, on this next drawing here, I want you to draw an animal. Go ahead and draw an animal. You have 30 seconds. Very good job. Okay, so there we go. Now, is it safe to say this is a lion? Okay, so we have the lion here. What do you all think? That's uh, that's better than what I could do. However, what I was really wanting was a sloth. A sloth. So... Um, no point for that one good job but no point so here's the last one this one is super simple so all you have to do is draw a building a building so go ahead and let's see what kind of building you can draw all right so can we can we do a little ground here just so i so i'm not confused there we go so what do you all think here That is a, a very good very good building here, but I was looking for the Taj Mahal building, not not a skyscraper. So, let's give Rory a hand as she goes down. Thank you very much. She's like, "Thanks, Mom, for volunteering me." Knowing the details helps, doesn't it? Today we're beginning a new series titled, What is a Disciple of Jesus Christ? And this is going to be one of those series that is beneficial in a number of different ways. So first of all, it's going to be beneficial because it's going to, because you will learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And some of you here today may not have put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so you are not one of his disciples. And so if that's you, I pray that through this series, you will, sh- you will learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and that you will be- be- become a disciple of Jesus. But some of you have been be- become, become disciples of Jesus. You've put your faith in him. But through this study, you're going to learn more about what it means and learn more about how to be a disciple. So you grow in your understanding and hopefully grow in your faith through learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But second, the church will benefit from knowing what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And you may wonder, how, how is that? And let me point you to a verse that is probably familiar here, if you've been here for any period of time. Go, therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Does that sound familiar? Anyone? And so we read this every Sunday at the end of the service. We're going to read it this service at the very end. But this is what we as individuals... And we, as a church, are seeking to do what we want to do. In obeying Jesus' words, we want to go and make disciples. And so, that's why the vision of our church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our vision statement. But knowing this should raise a very important question. We're told to go and make disciples, but what? is a disciple what is a disciple and if we can't answer this question then we're going to have a tough 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 time carrying out jesus's command to go and make disciples right and so this is the the very problem that our poor artist here rory was facing She was given some directions, but she didn't have all the details. And because of that, she was not able to draw what I was wanting her to draw. And likewise, we as a church here, and we as individuals, we can't make disciples of Jesus Christ if we don't know what a disciple is. And so this is an extremely important question at a number of different levels. Now, I want you to think about it from the opposite perspective. If you knew exactly what a disciple of Jesus Christ is, would that help you become a better disciple? If you knew exactly what a disciple of Jesus Christ is, would that help you help others become disciples? And I would say yes. The answer is yes. And so it's no exaggeration to say that having a firm grasp of this idea of what a disciple is can dramatically impact your life, your spiritual life. But even more, it can dramatically impact the spiritual lives of those that are around you. And so let's pay attention as we talk about this subject over the next month and a half. And so each week, I'm going to give you a characteristic of, what, of, of, of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see how we can grow that characteristic in our own life. Now, the growing part is going to be more applicable to the, to the future characteristics. This first one is one of the, the, the most foundational aspects of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so this first one here is that a characteristic of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple is called. A disciple is called. Let me read from Matthew chapter 4. While walking by the sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and i will make you fishers of men and immediately they left their nets and followed him and going on from there he saw two other brothers james the son of zebedee and john the brother in the boat with zebedee their father mending their nets and he called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him So this is at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. So for the first 30 or so years, he lived a fairly private life with his family. And then when he began his public ministry, he began to form a group of disciples around him to train, to help him out. And then also eventually, we know, to then send out to do his work after he's no longer uh, physically on this earth. And the word disciple is not particular to Christianity. And so in its most basic form, a disciple is simply a student or a pupil or a learner. And so during that time, philosophers or religious leaders or even cults all had disciples. Uh, But as we're going to see, Jesus takes the idea of being a disciple further. And a disciple of Jesus is more than just an academic endeavor. It's more than just learning things from the teacher. Being a disciple of Jesus is a life commitment to become more and more like him. But it starts at the core, at the foundation here, it starts with being called. Called. And that's what Jesus does to the very first group of disciples. I could take you through uh, various gospels here, and we would see that most of the disciples were called in that way. And if they weren't explicitly called in that way, they were implicitly called in some other way, where where some of them came and, and saw Jesus, and so they started following him. And Jesus is like, "What do you want?" And they're like, "Oh, oh, oh, uh, where are you staying? Okay, uh, come and you will see." Jesus is calling them to, "Hey, come with me." And there's others that that may not have had that specific call, but as we're going to see, every one of us has been called by him as well. And so next week, we're going to be talking about the following part, where Jesus says, Follow me. And so let's set that aside uh, for today. And today, we're going to talk about what it means to be called. What it means to be called. And it's not just that those who were with him before he was crucified were called, as we saw in Matthew. But as I said a moment ago, every one of us are called. Just as the first disciples were called, we are also called. Romans eight twenty eight. Paul says, And we know, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are what? Who are called according to his purpose. And then he takes a step back now. And we're going to see what I call the the spiritual journey that all Christians go through. He says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So again, this is the journey that spiritually every person goes through that has put their faith in Jesus Christ. That That is called a Christian or is called a disciple of Christ. And so he says, Paul says there, that first of all, a person is foreknown. Now, sometimes that word can mean known beforehand and that meaning would be perfectly fine here. But in the context, it also can mean chosen beforehand, which in looking at Romans 9 through 11, that's more appropriate in this situation. But after someone is foreknown, they are predestined, predestined. And so this means that God has decided beforehand or to predestine, predetermine there. But then after that, what happens? They are eventually called. Called. And the word they're called simply means to be summoned, saying, hey, come and follow me. I mean, we won't go much into the other ones, but after that, there's justification. They're justified, meaning that they're made right before God. And, and by the way, calling and justifying happen uh, right hand in hand together. But then eventually we are glorified. We make it into heaven. And so this is the journey that each of us takes along our spiritual path. Now let's look at another passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about calling because I want you to see that calling is not just something that is thought of as just a, like a part of what God is doing behind the scenes, but it is seen hand in hand with salvation, with putting your faith in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is writing to people who are a little bit confused about what to do when they become Christians. Because some of them became Christians when they were Jewish. Some became Christians when they were not Jewish. So they're like, uh, the the Jewish ones are like, all right, what about circumcision? And then the non-Jewish ones are like, all right, should I get circumcised? Some were rich and some were slaves. And uh, all these different groups of people. And so Paul is explaining here in this passage what we should do. But in the midst of the explanation, I want you to look and see at his usage of the word call multiple times. He says, "Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, into which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Has anyone at the time of his call? Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Are you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man in the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ you were bought with a price do not become bondservants of men so brothers in whatever condition each was called there uh, there let him remain with god so you can see here that he's using the word called as just another word for saved or as would later be used as becoming a christian And that's because in our spiritual journey, calling and justification, which is the moment where we're made right before God, that happens right at the time of salvation. And so if you have been called, then it is a lock that you will be saved. And if you have been saved, it is a lock that you have been called. So they go again, hand in hand. One more passage here. 1 Peter 2.9, he says, this is from Peter now, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Paul or Peter is speaking to Christians here. He's speaking to people who have received the mercy of God and they have been called out of darkness and into light. And so it's not that some Christians are called and others are not not called. It's that if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have been called by Jesus Christ. So it's that simple. This is your identity. And so I, I have no doubt, that there's some here today, that question whether you've been called. And, and you may be wondering, going through that process of like, uh, well, you, you know, I put my faith in Christ, but, but have I really been called? Or am I truly saved? Or, or some sort of form of that question. And, and if you're asking a question like that, have I been called? I want to propose to you that you're asking the wrong question. Because if you're asking if you've been called, you're trying to determine the mind of God. You're trying to determine what God has done here. And that's something that we can't know unless God chooses to reveal that to us through his word. And so instead of trying to determine the mind of God in this matter, you should instead be looking at what is going on in your own life regarding the call. What are the signs or the symptoms of the calling? So do you feel a desire to know God more? Do you have a desire to come close to Him? Do you feel a desire to to give Him your life? And if the answer is yes, then it's safe to say that God is calling you to Him. Let me try to illustrate this with uh, something that happened earlier this week. Um, On Monday, my wife and I went to a pastor's conference in Woodstock, Vermont. It's a two-day pastor, two-night pastor's conference. However, the the day before, and I've just a couple of random pictures here to show you. Uh, A day before that, though, our car started having some problems. And so we dropped it off at the mechanic and decided that we would just rent a car to drive up north. So that's what we did. I, I was just about to click the rent button on a boring midsize SUV from Manchester Airport when one of my kids who was there started joking, said, hey, you you should rent a Tesla. And it was like a a light bulb went off in my head. And so I headed over to this other website called Turo.com, which is sort of like a a peer-to-peer car rental website where people rent out their own cars. And I searched, and I found this guy in Manchester, just 15 minutes away, who was renting out his brand new Tesla. And so it was a little bit more than a SUV, but it wasn't a a ton more. And so I decided to to splurge a little bit and rent my very first Tesla. So that's what I did here. And I got in that car, though, on Monday morning. And let me tell you, I was confused. (laughs) Everything ran off the display and really the only two things that were the same as a normal car were there was a steering wheel and then there were the two pedals but with that basic knowledge I was able to start my trip once he showed me how to turn the car on get it connected to my phone there so I could reverse out of the parking lot and I could go forward and I could start our journey up north to Vermont. So I didn't need to know every single setting in the car to be able to drive it. I didn't need to know that my kids, while playing with it, had turned on a little indicator setting that every time I change the turn lane here, you know, the the indicator, it makes a fart noise. (laughs) And I had to figure out how to turn that off while on the highway. Now, over time, over the next two days, I I learned more about the car. But in the beginning, all I knew was how to accelerate and how to reverse. And listen, in a a small way, the same is true when it comes to salvation and calling. There is a whole lot that we don't understand about it. The foreknowledge thing, the predestination thing, it's going to make your mind explode. And then the calling thing, the justification, the glorification. But listen, we don't have to know all the details to be saved. The Bible makes it very simple. In order to be saved, you don't have to know about predestination. You don't have to know about calling. The Bible says that if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. Romans ten nine if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. When the, when the jailer is like, what must I do to be saved? They yelled out, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't give him a theology lesson right there about, about predestination and calling and all of that. Just believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and has the power to take away sin. And when you do that, and when you genuinely do that, you are saved. And if you're saved, then listen, as I already said, if you're saved, you can know that you were called. And you may be thinking, Kyle, thank you for the nice little Bible lesson on calling. But what does this have to do with my life? And so, so, in other words, why is knowing that we're called important? How does that impact our lives here in the 21st century? Why does this idea of being called, why is it important in the context of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? And I want to give you two main reasons why your calling is important, and, and I and I appreciate it. If you've made it this far, far without nodding off, uh, here's where I want you to show you why this is important. So first of all, confidence, confidence. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken with that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, but still wonder, "Am I truly saved?" They they struggle with their salvation. They struggle with knowing if they're truly saved. And some people think, I've messed up too many times to put my faith in Jesus. Or other people may be thinking, I've messed up too many times after I've put my faith in Jesus. Some people say, I I just, I don't feel any different. Others are like, "I, I struggle with sin just like I did before I put my faith in Jesus. And so if you can identify with any of these or many of the other ones, I want to say to you, you are normal. The the Christians struggle with these types of thoughts. But I also want you to remember that many times, many, many times, there's a difference between what you think and feel and what I think and feel and what God says. And so when you face these differences here, You need to err on the side of what God says, not on what you feel. And so here's the reality. If you have genuinely put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are called, you are chosen by him. And so if you are chosen, then it's safe to say that you were foreknown and predestined by him. Now, how does that work? You may ask. I don't know. I don't know, I can't explain everything and how it all works together here. But I know this those that are saved, those that have turned to Jesus, do so because Jesus calls them to himself. And knowing this should give you confidence as you go through life. So it doesn't matter if you feel saved. It doesn't matter in terms of salvation, at least, how many times you mess up after you've put your faith in him. It doesn't matter how many times you question your own salvation because ultimately what matters is that God chose you. And this knowledge can give you confidence in life. So let's ponder this thought for a moment. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he chose you so you didn't sneak in to his family he didn't accidentally let you in he chose you and again this idea should give us confidence it should give us a little pep in our step you aren't a mistake you are chosen by god why i i feel like a mistake it doesn't matter Because God chose you. I don't feel very special. It doesn't matter. God chose you. And again, that should give you confidence. In January of 2000, Billy Graham, this was near the end of his life, he was invited to be part of a luncheon in his honor. And he was, at this point, very, very old, and he was struggling with Parkinson's disease. And so, all, uh, after, so, so he went up there, and they said all sorts of wonderful things about him. And then they asked him to come up and say a few words. And so Graham went up to the platform, and he said this. I'm going to just read this to you. He said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist, who this month has been honored by Time magazine as the man of the century. Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching the tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket. He couldn't find his ticket, so he reached into his trouser pockets. It wasn't there. So he looked in his briefcase, but he couldn't find it. And then he looked in the seat beside him, and he still couldn't find it. So the conductor said, "Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. So I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it." Einstein nodded appreciatively, and the conductor continued down the aisle punching tickets. As he was already, as he, he was about to move to the next car, he turned around and saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees, looking under his seat. For his ticket. So the conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. And Einstein looked at the man and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. Now Graham, who was telling the story, then told them this. Graham said, see the new suit I'm wearing. It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. I used to be more fastidious. So I went out and I bought a new suit for this luncheon and for one more occasion. And do you know what that occasion is? This is a suit in which I'll be buried. And when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. What I want you to remember is this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I am going. And for those who have been called by God, we can have confidence to know where we're going as well. We can have confidence to know that we are children of God. So we should have confidence in our, in our calling and in our faith. Here's the second reason why your calling is important, and that is purpose. Purpose. Let me ask you, this guy who wore this uniform, when he wore it, did he have a goal? Did he have a, a mission? Well, his mission was to throw the football and lead the team, and ultimately to win games. And so while he was on that team, that was his purpose. This guy here, did he know what to do when he was on the field wearing that uniform? He also had duties. He had a purpose to carry out. And what about you? And if you have been called by God, and I've already established that if you have put your faith in Him, you have been called by Him, then you are on His team. And do you now know that you have a purpose? That you have a purpose. Knowing that you have been called gives you direction in life, it gives you purpose in life. You may wonder, what? purpose. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks or so. But the, the, the bottom line is that if you've been called, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as a disciple, there are duties that you are called to carry out. For example, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're called to follow Jesus, not the world. And so we're to live in a way that glorifies our teacher, our savior, our rabbi, not the world not culture. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you are called to love others. And so love is to be a major part of our life. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you're called to go and tell people about Jesus. That's your purpose here. And so these actions and and many others are what we are called to do. So they are part of our purpose. And so all of these actions are things that we can do no matter what our job is, no matter our vocation. And so it's not just pastors who are living out God's purpose for for what God wants us to do. And so you can do this as a police officer. You can do this as a teacher. You can do this as a homemaker. You can do this as a grocery bagger. You can do this as a president of a company. And so the vocation will vary, but your purpose will not. I read about uh, an Olympian named Madeline De- Dorado. I'm probably pronouncing her name incorrectly. But she was an Olympic swimmer in 2016 for the, for the Olympics in Rio and she completed a, a number of different races in the, the 200 and 400 meter range but listen to what she says about her swimming she's she's a believer in Jesus and so she told yahoo sports she said i don't think god cares really mu- uh, care, uh, i don't think god really cares about my swimming very much it's not my end purpose to make the olympic team she was then asked what she thinks god does care about as she prepares to go to Rio. And she replied, I think God cares about my soul and whether I'm bringing his love and mercy into the world. Can I be a loving, supportive teammate? Can I bless others around me in the same way that God has been so generous with me? So this isn't to say that she didn't work hard in her vocation as as an Olympian at that time, as a swimmer. So she ended up meddling in in all four events that she was in. And so she took home a bronze, a silver, and two golds. So clearly she worked hard in her job. But she knew the difference between what her vocation or what her job was and what her purpose was. And that dramatically shifted the priorities of her life. And so, church, your calling is important. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are called by Jesus Christ. And if you are called, then you can have confidence in this life. And even more, you can live with purpose in this life. And we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. But I want to close with two questions to ask you. First of all, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You may be thinking right now, well, I don't know if he's calling me. I already addressed that. Listen, if you're alive right now, feeling the desire to turn to him, then just act on it. Act on it. You can't know the calling definitely. You can't know the mind of God. But if you are feeling that nudge, then I want to encourage you, do it while there's still time. Put your faith in Him. And again, it simply means praying to Him and asking Him to be the Lord of your life. And if you need more information or need more prayer after the service, someone will be down here and they'd love to be able to pray with you or talk with you more about that. Others here, I want to ask you, are you living in a way that has purpose? Are you living in a way where, where your life is showing that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're not, I encourage you as we go into this closing time of singing, spend some time with him, praying and, and asking him to help you. Saying, Lord, help me. Help me live on purpose for you. Help me to live out what you have called me into. So let's go ahead and let's spend a moment now in prayer.